This is the official channel for The Brief and we welcome you to Everything Business, our podcast series where we speak to industry experts and leaders and get their insights on the what, the how and the who of doing business in India. Stay tuned for more. Welcome to The Brief. This is your host, Shon. In today's episode of Everything Business, we're going to talk about the future or what at least should be the future. Because we are going to take a look into the circular economy and what it means for companies. In fact, the entire ecosystem and about more sustainable ways of doing business. But when it comes to sustainability, there is a general skepticism and a not so serious outlook towards it. Now, maybe it's just me interpreting people's opinions incorrectly, unnecessarily extrapolating their actions, or it's simply my imagination. But having said that, I thought it would be interesting to pose such questions and perceived challenges in front of someone who has a deep understanding of sustainability and what it means to create a circular economy. Today, I'm joined by Rajiv Ramchandra. Given his experience and knowledge on the topic, I'm looking forward to having this discussion with someone who is a globally acknowledged speaker on the subject. Hey Rajiv, it's great to have you here today. Thanks for taking out the time. Thanks, John. Good to be here. Now, I've really been looking forward to this discussion on the circular economy. But before we get to that, I wanted to talk a little about you and working in sustainability. If I'm right, you have been involved with this space for over a decade now. But this is also a space that is otherwise perceived to be relatively niche. So what led you to take up a career in the field? Is there an inspiration or incident that led you to it? Honestly, I can't think of one specific incident or moment of inspiration that led me to it. What I love about sustainability is its multidisciplinary nature, where the skills of empathy and stakeholder engagement are just as important as those of design and engineering. In relation to sustainability being a niche area, I actually don't view sustainability as a niche area at all. Uh, To me, sustainability is the embodiment of living with wisdom. And this wisdom has existed long before it took the incarnation of sustainable development or sustainability as a profession. And if I'm right, you also work for the advocacy and setup of bringing more sustainable practices and circularity for companies. So now I know this is switching gears a little, but let's look at the current scenario of the pandemic and the lockdowns. Given how things are, companies and countries are pondering over the creation of a domestic and resilient manufacturing ecosystem. So can this be considered as a good time for them to look at the circular economy and how it can be incorporated in what they are planning for? Yeah, so I'd say it has never not been a good time to think about or act on making sustainable choices or creating an economic system that fundamentally designs waste out of it, which is the central tenet of the circular economy, uh, in addition to uh, relying primarily on renewable energy. Now, that's a very small and narrow interpretation of the circular economy. There are many ways to go about it, and there are several loops that are involved in creating circular systems. But in within the context of the pandemic, there have been some concerns that in the interest of 
a swift economic recovery, the danger is that we might backtrack or backpedal on keeping in mind that the climate crisis is just as, if not even more so, pressing than the current one. So uh, we're already seeing countries responding, for example, Canada, with the aid recovery that the government has put together. The expectation is that businesses with revenues that are over $300 million that apply for government loans must publish climate disclosure reports. And the private sector itself is calling for uh, governments around the world to make sure that packages put together have climate change related caveats built into them. So in short, yes, now is I would say even more so the time to look at circular economy, sustainability, climate change as being central premises that businesses keep in mind. In terms of what they can do, there's there's different things that can be done. It depends on the size of the company, the type of industry they're in, the maturity level of the company in terms of their culture on sustainability uh, and their understanding of how to go about implementing uh, circular economy related solutions for products and services. Fair enough. And at the risk of sounding terribly ignorant or pessimistic about it, let me ask you this. In the recent past, And particularly after the UN presented its Sustainable Development Goals in 2015, many nations and organizations came forth, they endorsed the SDGs, but then they didn't really implement them. So to most, this might end up seeming like boardroom talk, the kind of things that governments and companies talk about to look good. Or for that matter, discussions that are had at very senior levels, but which don't really reach ground level execution teams. Is this really the case? That's a good question, and and there's no general way to answer that. I'm sure there are companies that are doing this very seriously. I know there are companies that are doing this very seriously. Uh, One of the great examples of this is a company called Interface Carpet that is really looked upon as one of the leaders and pioneers in the sustainability movement within the private sector. And I'm sure there are some companies that maybe aren't taking this all that seriously. Maybe it's more within the realm of greenwashing, in some cases, possibly fraud. Regardless, I think as time goes on, making choices as businesses to account for the limited resources, the issues related to pollution, how that then contributes to a health crisis in terms of things like air quality, water quality, uh, are things that companies will simply not be able to ignore. And if they do, they do so at the peril of fundamental survival. But to implement something like this is not going to be easy, right? There are bound to be challenges. For instance, let's consider the case of a large emerging economy such as India. And to start with, let's look at the consumer side of things. Now, they have been accustomed to certain consumption habits, a lot of which stems from convenience. So how can they be made to acclimatize to what the circular economy requires of them? This is a good question, and I think it also highlights, I guess, some of the myths surrounding going about implementing circular economy practices or or circularity or making businesses more circular. I would challenge the notion that it's not easy, and and we can talk about 
the specifics around what that transition looks like. Uh, but there are already examples of, of businesses that have engaged in practices that we don't necessarily think of as circular, but contribute towards it. Mobility is, is a great example where rideshare services provide the service of mobility and it takes away the need for every person or household to own a vehicle. That's a big piece of circularity where resources or assets or services or products are shared, which fundamentally reduces the burden on natural resources as well as the issue of pollution that uh, it can cause, especially in the use phase of its life cycle. From the standpoint of consumer behavior, I think that's moving to a new or better system within the economy or service sector or in general, the way we go about designing human life. I think everybody has a role to play in that. The private sector, through innovation, through research, through truly understanding consumer needs, uh, the government certainly does as well from the standpoint of providing incentives and or structures or ease of business that enable companies to flourish within a system that rewards circular behavior. And even consumer awareness campaigns, uh, right, where we're having open and honest conversations about why this matters and how consumer choices influence the environment, as well as uh, social implications in the types of products and services we buy. So the money that we spend is in some ways a vote, right? We are suggesting by the way we're expending our money, what it is that we want. I think the more we can be aware of what those implications are, the better informed consumers, which is all of us. I mean, it's not a separate group of people. The economy isn't, it's not an us and them thing. All of us require food and resources to uh, live our lives. So I, th I think awareness becomes a significant piece of that. And I think that has to be done by bringing uh, stakeholders across the spectrum together. And to a significant extent, the government can intervene to bring about such changes. But largely policies can be thought of as being inclined towards boosting existing industries for increased production and for that nice GDP number. So what should the administration be doing differently? I don't think there's one specific answer or silver bullet. Uh, I think, and I think this is also maybe some of the danger in thinking about sustainability or circular economy as kind of this one shot, you do this and you're done. It, it's a lifestyle choice, um, just like maintaining good health. It's about exercising every day and eating the right right kinds of foods and avoiding certain kinds of foods. So the same goes with broader systems, you know, economic systems, industrial systems. It's a lifestyle choice. Just to kind of talk a little bit about GDP, it has been used as a proxy measure of progress or development for decades now, but it, it's actually a metric that provides an unclear or a very one-dimensional viewpoint on how economies are progressing. Ultimately, GDP is a summation of transactions. Uh, it tells you nothing about where those transactions came from and what burden on social or environmental systems were caused by virtue of the transactions that took place. So one important piece is to broaden the set of indicators that we use, that governments use in particular, to evaluate the health of the nation across various dimensions, um, in, you know, including social and health and environmental and economic. 
A couple of examples of these do exist. One is the fairly well-known gross national happiness by our neighbor. And uh, some less well-known ones include those like the genuine progress index. So I think there's huge utility in taking a step back and saying, how do we define progress or development and to uncouple this idea of progress from just looking at GDP as the number? Other than that, you know, government policies certainly can play a role, whether they're procurement policies for the government itself on purchasing goods and services that are or meet sustainability specifications and guidelines. And the other could be, you know, within the policy space of providing tax incentives or other mechanisms that align business direction with the sustainability goals that we've signed up for. Okay, so policies and guidelines are one aspect. But as you mentioned earlier, effective implementation is key. For instance, even if people want to bring about a behavioral change towards a more sustainable way of life, where is the infrastructure to support it? Some might even say proper waste management infrastructure is next to absent. I wouldn't say it's next to absent. I would say that the effectiveness of a system is what matters most. So the systems exist, how effective they are, maybe are subject to some questioning or debate. Yeah, infrastructure undoubtedly plays a role and infrastructure is fairly broad, specifically within the waste management infrastructure. There's certainly an opportunity to look at what we can do better in terms of recovering a lot of materials that are essentially either burned or uh, landfilled, for example. I know a lot of material uh, ends up within the informal uh, waste system, and that is problematic in and of itself because the conditions within that informal system aren't great. My guess is that there are a lot of violations taking place, both in terms of uh, labor rights, uh, environmental concerns, and or practices as well. So the infrastructure system, which is more than just the hardware of it all, includes the people that are within the system as well. And, and I think it's sort of this combination approach where there has to be an active effort to educate and then indoctrinate into practice better ways of handling materials, better ways of thinking about what these materials can mean from a value proposition standpoint, and simultaneously creating ecosystems where these materials go on to have a second life or finding innovative partnership opportunities with uh, the private sector where these materials are making their way back into industrial facilities where they can be broken down and then reconstituted to make different products. You know, I think, I think this is a huge opportunity, especially in relation to plastics. Okay, so now that we're talking about businesses and enterprises engaged in this space, let's look at the business side of things from a circular economy context. Or specifically, let's look at manufacturing companies. Even if these businesses wanted to adopt more sustainable means for production, they aren't really ready to use technologies available for them to incorporate into their existing processes. So I think technology is one element of it, but I don't think technology is the only piece in terms of adopting sustainable practices or working towards making your business more circular. 
the processes that are used within companies and by processes, I mean practices around how materials are used, even going all the way back to uh, picking materials that give products longevity and uh, are easy to recover and recycle. I mean, all of these pieces come into the picture. So technology invariably has an important role to play, but I think there's a danger in simply thinking that better or more technology will lead us to the right solution. And the other danger is also that it's sort of the hidden message perhaps is that it absolves us of personal responsibility in the types of choices we're making, whether it's individual consumers or businesses at large, or even within the government and public policy space where there is a need and tremendous influence to to shape the direction the country takes or any country or region for that matter. In a report that was published by the Cambridge Institute for Sustainability Leadership, three primary actors uh, or players were highlighted in terms of the role they have in rewiring the economy, which is actually the title of that study, which is the government, businesses or the private sector and and the financial industry. And the, the metaphor is or analogy is that the government provides the direction for the economy, sort of looking at it from a shipping perspective. So the government provides the direction, finance provides the fuel, and uh, the private sector is the engine. So I sort of go back to it's not just one particular industry or one stakeholder group that has a role to play, just like there's not just technology that has a role to play. I think there's a combination of factors that have to come together and are coming together to move us to a place that is showing tangible results and outcomes that are congruent with what we deeply value. And that takes time, but I think more certainly can be done to engage people in meaningful conversations and conversations that aren't a blame game, but talk more about how do we work on this together? Because ultimately, nature, climate change, these are agnostic to where you come from and where you live. There's implications from a climate change perspective that that affect all of us. So that means companies will need to make investments. And I don't mean only money. But also time, effort for R&D and innovation as much as it is for people to create a mindset and as you said earlier, to bring about an organization-wide cultural change. But this will also mean that they will need to revisit business models and their company strategies because the existing ones aren't really built for circularity, are they? Yes, I think looking at the business model is an important and perhaps uncomfortable step for many companies. To answer the question on are businesses already set up to become circular, there's no yes or no answer. It's just going to depend on the type of business. It's going to depend on the type of culture. It's going to depend on the flexibility and the agility of the business to really be self-reflective and look at what future possibilities might look like where material flows or product flows are more circular in nature how their product or service designs can fundamentally eliminate this idea of waste. And sometimes that could mean, you know, radical simplification of product design, for example. And also engaging in some real kind of customer-focused understanding, you know, using tools like design thinking, for example, where the first step is to empathize, to really kind of understand what specific uh, consumer groups' needs are. 
From a research standpoint, undoubtedly, there has to be time and effort and resources expended to experiment and innovate and be creative. And I think this is the fun part of sustainability. I think uh, often sustainability and circular economy are looked at as sort of these dull and boring subjects about climate change and you know meeting certain targets, uh, the sustainable development goals, and, and it can all sound like a different language. And then you hear stories about how things are not going as they should. And I think that can really put a damper on looking at it from this perspective of excitement, of innovation, of rethinking, recreating, you know, doing something that has positive impacts and regenerative impacts as opposed to trying to be less bad or do less harm. So yes, research plays a role. There have been, I think, culturally within uh, India, a recent report I saw published by the federal government here highlighted how low research spending is in India. And I think the dominant share of the research spending that has happened in the past has primarily been by the government itself. I think the conclusion perhaps could be that research is undervalued or perhaps misunderstood, or maybe the skills aren't there. You know, I I don't know what the reasoning is, but I, I think there's a huge opportunity in harnessing the creative minds of especially the young generation that's coming into the workforce. Because I see and know that they have tremendous excitement and passion in being part of the solution going forward. By the way, because you just spoke about the role people can play, I realized that most of my questions have been related to manufacturing and product-based businesses. We haven't really spoken about people-based businesses. You know, companies engaged in service offerings. So how would such companies adopt sustainable practices to become a part of the circular economy? Yeah, great question. There's a couple of ways I can talk about services. One is what are called product-as-a-service-based business models, where if you look at car-sharing services or ride-share services, it's gone from purchasing a car for mobility to purchasing the service of mobility. Now, that can be applied to a variety of industries. Think about air conditioning or refrigeration, where companies, instead of selling you their conditioner refrigerator, could lease them out to you and then integrating that with Industry 4.0. I mean, the potential is tremendous from the standpoint of monitoring their assets remotely to predictive analytics that can predict failures. What we're looking for with these products, say refrigeration, what we're looking for is our food lasting longer. We don't want the refrigerator. What we want is our food to be stored well so that it lasts and has a longer life than it would. The same thing with air conditioning. What we're looking for is cool, clean, dehumidified air. We don't want the unit. We want what it does for us fundamentally. So that's one way of looking at services. The other is the service sector itself utilizes resources, whether you look at hospitality or you look at data centers, call centers, they're all utilizing products by themselves. And I think it's incumbent on them to a certain extent to look for opportunities or even to have conversations within their value chain to purchase products that either use less energy or are fundamentally recyclable or that they're purchasing products that already have recycled content in them. These are just a few examples. There's, again, no silver bullet. It's going to be a combination of the awareness, the appetite, how costs work out, the availability of such products that you know, fundamentally have lower environmental impacts. Personally, I find product as a service to be an exciting opportunity. And not just because it means businesses will evolve and companies will adapt to changing consumer behavior, but 
more so because it will be about using processes such as design thinking that are user centric and agile to solve for some real problems well rajiv this has been a great conversation extremely insightful to say the least there is so much for all of us to think about and become more aware about and as we discussed the onus will be on all the stakeholders to play an active part to bring circularity into the economy now before i take your leave i am going to trouble you with one last question closing notes if you will for the stakeholders and let me broadly categorize them into three uh consumers government and businesses if you had to suggest a first step towards a circular economy something for each of them to begin with what would those be it's going to depend on the level of awareness and maturity uh within each of these stakeholder groups so for example within consumers become more aware um really pay attention to the things that you're buying we certainly do that in many cases from the standpoint of what we consider to be good for our health i think as inhabitants of this planet we are born of it and so the health of the planet directly affects our health as well so i think becoming more educated and aware on the conversations around the impact of products or services on the environment as well as the social side of things you know how transparent are companies with where they're sourcing labor for example you know this is important and it takes a little bit of work but i think it's about doing that work once and then spreading the message i've got to believe that there are credible platforms already collating this kind of information so you know do the research and make sure that you're expending your time and resources and money on purchasing things that are aligned with your core values for the government there's so many pieces to what can be done you know one thing that comes to mind is uh, something that's called uh, sustainable public procurement where the government itself because the government is a large entity the the federal government at least here in india and so there's a huge opportunity for the government which is a purchaser of products and services through policy or mandates to purchase products from companies and thereby create a, a large market or an initial market which which then minimizes the risk for companies that are in fact looking to create and innovate and put products out there that are fundamentally circular by design and eliminate waste and reduce energy consumption on the private sector and business side of things i'd say similarly get more aware be vigilant in terms of shifting consumer preferences which they are and look at opportunities to involve consumers as well as you know broaden that innovation scope it's it's often it's called open innovation you know a simpler way of putting it is crowdsourcing ideas and hear the concerns not just in terms of uh what products are needed but also the value set for consumers which is again all of us and what we care about on a more fundamental level i think there's huge opportunity to really align those and to be unafraid in doing uh, on expending some resources on research and experimentation i think there's tremendous utility in doing that it might not bear you fruit immediately but you simply by engaging in that and cultivating a culture of openness and experimentation and enthusiasm i think can lead to results and outcomes that the traditional methodology might never and and might be difficult to imagine even i'd say those are maybe some good places to start once again rajiv thank you for your time 
And I truly hope that we can have the conversation continuing through various platforms and fora. Yes, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. I hope your listeners got something of value here. And I certainly welcome hearing from them. Their feedback is certainly appreciated and maybe can be fodder for future conversations going forward. So thank you.